Hey everybody, it's George Bueller, your Prime Fanatic from the Fanatic Forum, and we are here today with our another panel here with a great multiverse fundraiser here, uh, talking with indie comic creators here. But of course, before we get things going here, we've got to discuss why we are here, and this is all for comic books for kids. We'll be right back in a second. And this is what we do. I, we do this every day. On Christmas Day, I was getting emails from hospitals on Christmas Day. I was responding. Sickness doesn't take a break. We are there for the hospitals. We are there for the kids. Um, we will do whatever we can do. And I, as I look and talk to you and I, I talk to all the people who are watching this, be a part of this. You, however you want to be a part of this, be a part of it. If you can send us $5, send us $5. If you can send us five comic books, a Funko Pop, a toy, a children's book, send it to us. However you want to be and make a difference, make a difference because we're all in this together. And here's the cool news. Nobody knows who I am and here's why. When we give these materials to the hospitals, the hospitals give it to the kids and the parents. Comic book for kids in my name never shows up. When this stuff goes to the military, when my comic shops send the pallets, my name is never there. And that's great. That's all right. Because it's not, as I said, about us. It's not about promoting who we are. It's about all of us together in the industry making a difference for so many. For so many. And that's what we're about, Kelly. And that's what we do every single day of the year. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, so if you can, certainly give to Comic Books for Kids, cb4k.org. That's the reason why we're here this weekend. They're a fantastic charity. Mark does a lot of great work, and it's a grassroots charity, uh, which makes it you know even all the better there. Uh, so as you see the scroll there at the bottom of your screen there of how you can donate, uh, give as much as you can. It doesn't matter, folks. Uh, we, we they, they all love it. So everybody absolutely love the support. And since we're talking about support here and creating great things here, we are talking about indie comic creators here. Uh, it's an amazing age that we are in that basically anybody who has the talent and the drive and the know-how to want to create a comic book can with today's technology. You don't have to sit in the bullpen anymore. You know, you can do it wherever you want. And so we have got a great panel of folks here who've created their own books and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about here. So first and foremost, let's start bringing them out here. Uh, first off, we've got Grant Lankard here. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Uh, next up, Jeff Beinecke. Thank you for being on here. Hello, thank you for having me. Excellent. Timothy B. Fling, hello, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. And last but not least, Mr. Brian Rodman. How you doing? If I can get myself unmuted there. Hi, I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. All right. Well, first off, we'll start with um, Grant here. Uh, introduce yourself and what kind of uh, all the different jobs you do on your specific creations here. Um, yeah, my name is Grant Lankard. Uh, I guess I go, I'll go first. Um, I just did a six-issue miniseries called Beowulf. Uh, just completed the last uh, the last issue, and uh, that's going to be going out. Well, it's already started getting mailed. Um, I also do a horror anthology uh, called Memoirs of the Morbid, and my new comic book that is going to be out in mid-February is called League of Cryptids. 
and the concept behind that is uh, what if uh, the five most well-known uh, most known, well-known cryptids are actually ancient aliens who are put here to protect the Earth. Awesome. Uh, here's an image here for your Beowulf comic. And we're going to try to get you. Know, I'm trying to get your uh, League of Cryptids up here as well here. But uh, uh, let's see here. If I can save this one here. All right, that's not working for me right now. So, oh, hang on here. There, <laughs> if you were, oh, there we go. There's, nice. there's League of Cryptids. Dig that logo, so, man. That looks cool. Thanks. Oh, yeah, this looks fun here. Too. I love this. Frogs go to Loveland. <laughs> I love it. Uh, this is awesome. Thank you, Grant. That's great. All right. So uh, next up here, Jeff Beinecke here. Let's bring up your art here for The Crag. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. I'm actually not the artist. Um, I am the writer and creator of the story. Um, that's kind of my job is just doing the character, designing, scripting, all that stuff. Unfortunately, I can't draw. I wish I could, but <laughs> so I'm uh do the writing. I did the uh, Kickstarter, which um, it already, it, it was last year, but I, I've had some health issues. So I'm just starting to get back into the groove of things. So um, I've got three more pages. I think we, we've got to illustrate for number two and then number two will be out of the crag. Um, that's kind of the main book I'm focusing on right now. Just kind of doing one and seeing how that goes and then hopefully, you know, build off of the crag and go from there. So, uh, that's, uh, that's my role is just the kind of the creator and just pretty much everything, but dr actually drawing it nice. and doing like the formatting and the imagery stuff. Excellent. Timothy, next up, we've got uh, some of your artwork here for water wars, 2288. So how much your involvement in this book? Uh, I'm the writer and publisher. I also do a fair amount of editing, um, I guess you'd say I'm the creator, but I always feel that term is a little bit too encompassing. You know, I don't like to say only the writer, especially when I'm in a room with other writers. But mm -hmm. I guess it is fair to say that. But over the course of it, I feel like I should mention that's now 18 artists have contributed to this series over wow. a four year period. So it's, wow. I, you know, I, I say that in the sense, I guess, like all of us, we want it to sound like it's we're doing a little better than we are. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like I, I definitely got to give a shout out to the team because it's grown into something bigger than I ever thought it would be. Absolutely. And last but certainly not least here, Brian Rodman. Uh, I've got a couple of images for you here. Uh, so first off, we have Memoirs of an Angel, the Gray Pilgrim. Yeah. So um, that this uh, Memoirs of an Angel actually started out as a comic book series, um, which is why we're all here. Um, and mm -hmm. right right now we have eight issues of that. I uh, I do all of the art, the writing um, and the coloring, lettering, all that jazz. Um, but by no means do I do this by myself. I have a handful of uh, amazing ladies who are uh, on the team and uh, they're anywhere from editing to uh you know helping me format um they're they're great group of of creators um and uh now uh jeff because i also have uh, had some really bad health issues that have popped up over the last year and so we're pivoting to from comics from memoirs of an angel from comics to um kind of a hybrid of comics and uh prose so it's uh it's not quite a 
a prose novel, not quite a comic book. There's a, I guess you could call it an illustrated novel, but there's a lot more comic book flavor to it than a normal illustrated novel would be. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of my role in, in, in that series. And, and we do have eight issues completed uh, of the comic before we've made this pivot. So. Okay. And then I've got another image here for you for uh, the nebulizer uh, character here of yours. Yeah. Um, so that is, uh, that story is actually um, really personal and, 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 uh, and just kind of uh, hits it, hits it home for me because my illness is a severe uh, chronic asthma. Um, okay. And so that's what I've been dealing with really all my life. And so this story is all about this, uh, as severe asthmatic who's in this post-apocalyptic world filled with allergen mutants and he and his ai controlled suit are fighting these uh monsters that plague all of us with asthma and allergies in physical monstrosity form so it's a lot of fun and uh, this one is kid friendly so um uh so yeah i'm really really i love this this series uh quite a bit that's awesome. Uh, well, one thing I'm always uh, intrigued about when it comes to writers, artists, any kind of creators is the creative process that you all go through. Uh, so uh, starting with you, Jeff, uh, what is your creative process? Uh, how do you come up with ideas uh, when you're basically you've got that idea? How do you start fleshing out and making it a real thing? Um, well, my creative process is really um, it's really unorganized, I would say. <laughs> Half the time, I don't really know you know, where the ideas come from. A lot of the time, like for the crag, um, it doesn't seem like it would fit with this, but I actually got the idea from Sasquatch, like, you know, imagining Sasquatch watching out on society from the, you know, the woods or jungle or whatever. And then I kind of put a golem in that um, position. Then just, you know, I just start with kind of like a basic, very basic idea and just kind of plug things in and, um, yeah, it's very unorganized. A lot of it, is, I, I feel like it's subconscious for me. Like I'll just write and then a few days later, um, I'll say, well, that has more layers than I thought it was going to have. But, <laughs> you know, as long as you come up with it. So, yeah, um, you know, nature is a big um, inspiration for me. Just watching, you know, how animals, you know, relate to each other or, you know, society obviously is another big one. Just how humans interact, you know, we're so so you you know so unique it's just um you know i just draw inspiration really from everywhere as far as that goes music movies video games um but yeah my process is really it's kind of just depends you know every story is different for me i'm kind of a kind of a wild guy in that regard i don't <laughs> i don't take a lot of notes i usually keep it in my head um i just jot down like a few main things and then just kind of uh let things snowball and kick around and then write a little bit let it build up you know Mm -hmm. sift through what's there write it down and just kind of work in phases really when i actually nice in doing the writing so i like it it seems a very kind of relaxed uh method uh, as well you know it's, it, there's not a lot of you know uh hurriedness to it you, basically you're going yeah. at your own pace and yeah so yeah, i like that excellent uh well grant since you've got uh, more of the uh, artistic hand uh, here um same question here what is your process when it comes to your art well so first of all i don't I don't write out a script. I go straight into drawing um, because I, I've never understood how people who, who write out a script, how they, they figure out how many panels will fit 
on a page. You know what I mean? Because like sometimes you do a page that has like three panels and it looks crowded. But other times you do like a page that has like nine panels and it doesn't look crowded. So, um, so uh, I go, I, I, I start out by drawing uh, and I'm, I'm strictly uh, digital now. I, I can't even remember the last time I drew on a piece of paper, um, which I don't know, maybe I should try that just so I, um, I stay in practice with that. But um, yeah, uh, it, and it's, so yeah, so I, that's how I write the stories. Um, and I think most writers will agree with me that um, the real work, when you really pull the story together, is in the rewriting. Um, because there's always a moment, like when I, when I write the first draft where I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. Like, like I can't publish this. Like what is wrong with me? And then like by the third, by the third draft, it, it looks fine. Um, as far as where I got my ideas from with both Beowulf and League of Cryptids, it came from me looking at something that already existed and and saying, you know, that kind of sounds like it could be a comic book. Like uh, with League of Cryptids, I remember I was looking at like a bunch of statistics for, you know, different different cryptids, like seeing like, you know, this one is really strong. This one ha is psychic. You know, this one is, is kind of like a brawler. And I remember thinking to myself, this looks like like the, the old like Marvel trading cards that I had when I, I was a kid. And um, and that's where the idea for League of Cryptids came from. And um, in the same way with Beowulf, I remember when I was a kid, my parents had a Time Life uh, fairy tale book. And one of the stories in it was Beowulf. Mm. And I remember reading that and thinking like, Oh my God, this is just like a comic book, but it was written, you know, a thousand or even 2000 years ago. So, yeah. yeah so that's good. Sorry, go ahead. It, oh, so yeah. It, it always fascinated me with the Beowulf as well. That that story was passed around, you know, word of mouth until it was written down probably hundreds of years later after it's been told and retold. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting question. You, uh, you brought up uh, this grant, talk about your, uh, you know, art, uh, just as a panel here, uh, how many of y'all work from home when you're doing your art or how, or... yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, or, or Timothy, do you have like a professional office you're in? I do not. Although I have, I guess you'd say my basement is kind of a studio now. It's the, okay. It, you know, it's funny. I was joking about it earlier. Like we always want it to sound more important than it is like, Hey, well, my studio, but my studio is essentially a desk with a ping pong table next to it. And, you know, we start, we started with making one book and then it was two books and then it was three. And now it's what I think it's 11, 12, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's, so it's a little assembly line is what it is, which I use for Kickstarter fulfillment. As far as the writing process itself, I can do that pretty much anywhere, including anywhere. I've done it at work or yeah. And anywhere the inspiration strikes you, I guess is the way I would phrase that. Absolutely. Well, Brian, as the other artist here, uh, how do you work? Are you work digitally entirely with your art or are you old school pen and paper? Uh, I am entirely uh, digital. Um, I, uh, 
um i used to i started off traditional um and in fact we did like the first i did the first three issues of memoirs of an angel traditional black and white um and then my wife uh mostly to cut costs of of uh of tools <laughs> like uh all the pens and all the pencils and everything like that all the paper um we switched to digital and i never looked back it just for me like I uh, I love and respect traditional medium. I think it's great. Um, and if I had the the means, and, and really, I think it's almost a completely different skill set. Um, a lot of it crosses over, obviously, but but it's just um, I think with digital, uh, for me at least, it gives a lot more freedom. Uh, you know, I don't have to worry about messing up a a page. It, it, I, if I have a wild idea, I can try it. If it doesn't work, I didn't mess anything up. I can push a button and it goes away. And that just for me provides the freedom that I never had before. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm all digital. Um, and, uh, the, the, the process, I'm actually the opposite of Grant. Um, I'm an artist, but I'm also a writer. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what I am first. I know a lot of people say who do both. They say I'm a writer first. I'm an artist first. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what I am. Um, but I, uh, I do start usually it's either an image in my head that, um, I draw or it is, um, something, you know, that, that I'll type out a poem or, or something like that. Um, a lot of notes start off all my stories. I, I'm, I'm that crazy guy with the red twine on my Google docs. <laughs> it's, uh, so, so, um, but yeah, I, I, I do start off with the scripts first. Um, so I write out and because I'm the artist, I think it's a lot easier, right? Like I I'm writing yeah. for myself later, which also makes me, when I put my artist hat on, I always say, I hate the writer who made me do this. And, um, and, but, but no, it, it, you know, I will just kind of briefly describe what the panel is, you know, what the illustration is. Um, and then later, if it doesn't work, like Grant said, if it's too crowded or something like that, I can rework it because I'm doing it all. It really does. Like I'm, I'm, I'm thankful and blessed in that way. I, I, I uh, um, I'm, I'm just glad that I have that kind of freedom. Um, and I do, I do a lot of people, you know, they say, Oh, well, it's all you, you're all doing it. I said it earlier. It's really not the creative process. Even though I am doing a lot of the work, I need a team. I need other people at least to, to get fresh eyes on it um, before, you know, it, it goes to the printer or anything like that. And so I have an editor, I have all this stuff and I bounce all, I bounce ideas off of, off of my team all the time. And they're so good with the creative process. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I usually, it's kind of a weird ping pong effect of being a writer and an artist and, and whatever creative fancy strikes me in the moment, that's the hat I put on. Right on. Uh, well, we got to take a pause here because we have got a lot of comments here for folks watching at home. So thank you all very much for tuning in here uh, to the Multiverse Fundraiser, to our Indie Comic Creators panel here. Uh, let's get some comments going up here real quick here. Let's see here. Uh, first off here, we got to have Molly Daniels coming in and says that she loves the Nebulizer Mouth Breathers Unite. Thank you, Molly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, hey, Carl Witzman saying, uh, thank you very much, Carl. I appreciate it. Saying, uh, nice from Georgia takeover for so Crayley and Kelly can catch a break. Yes, those ladies have been working very hard this weekend. So thank you all very much for what you all do for this year. Uh, let's see here. Hang on. Good. 
on this here. This is awesome here. Uh, oh, Clyde Hall saying, hello, creative forces of nature. Thank you, Clyde Hall. Uh, and we've got Hollis Thompson coming in here uh, asking where he can buy Beowulf comics. Uh, also told Crayley there's only one manuscript copy of Beowulf, and she joked that maybe it was a story no one liked, and one dude saved it for fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was trying to answer her her question. I don't know if if just putting the word Amazon in a comment is enough to get it blocked, but like, like yeah, my my comments failed to post. Um, so I do have an Amazon page. If you just uh, Type out my name, and I'll spell it here for you. Um, if you type out my name in Amazon, you should be able to find digital copies. But uh, I have a a Kickstarter coming up in mid February, and if you if you're like me and you you really want the print copies, um, I'm gonna have those available as add-ons on awesome. on my Kickstarter. It might also have been the word Kickstarter that got my my comment banned. <laughs> God knows. Uh, yeah, and, and Jeff, uh, where could we find the Crag? Um, it is on Amazon also um, for Kindle. Okay. Um, you need to search my name. Um, yeah, it's on there. So just, yeah, it's a tough one, but it's not easy to spell. But yeah, you can search my name uh, or I can post it here in the uh, chat. I've got print copies. I'm caught up in this health stuff. I've been meaning to get an actual you know real website up which sure. i've got the domain we're just trying to get that still up um so once i get that up uh, i can you know have print copies available or just you know reach out to me via facebook or anywhere really and i can set people up so but primarily right now amazon okay and then timothy where can we find water wars uh, uh, water wars and other earth dog studio books the easiest thing for me is well i'm a kickstarter fellow so i'm just about always on there but for all the published materials that's through earthdogstudios.com um i have some stuff on amazon but i kind of prefer if they go through my website so if uh, viewers if you yeah. don't mind hit earthdogstudios.com that's the best way to yeah. in my case to support me directly 100%. Yeah. Yeah. The, the large corporations are great, but if you can actually support the artist fully do that. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that. And by the way, I'm not against any of those things. We all need to increase our know. reach, but when possible viewers, please reach out to the creators directly. I think I, I think I speak for all of us when I say we all yeah. do a little better that way. Thank you. Uh, Serial box and Phoenix sisters for the link. I appreciate that. Yeah, there we go. And then Brian, of course, uh, you've got uh, Memoirs of an Angel was available through Kickstarter. Uh, but uh, where can we find this now? Yes. Yeah, so every everything I've ever done, all eight issues of Memoirs of an Angel and the first two issues of the Nebulizer, plus other books that I've been a part of, uh, Pulp Reality, um, number four through Stormgate Press, um, and a few other anthologies, all on brianrodman.com. If you Google the name Brian Rodman, I'm at the top. Somehow I have clawed and fought my way and beat all the other Brian Rodmans out. <laughs> um, and I am, I am, there can be only one. So I'm at the top of the Google list. Just Google my name and it's right there. Uh, but yeah, you can find every comic, every book that I've ever done at the website. Many Brian's enter, only one Brian Robin leaves. Exactly. <laughs> and ironically, the asthmatic one. I have no idea. <laughs> all right. Uh, so uh, definitely a question here for all the panel here. Uh, what genres do you all normally engage in and what specifically drew you 
to those genres. Grant, we'll start with you first. Uh, I mean, I would say probably the biggest uh, the biggest one was uh, fantasy. Uh, I would call Beowulf modern fantasy, and I would say League of, with maybe a little bit of, of superhero genre thrown in there. Um, I would call League of Cryptids kind of the same, a modern fantasy. Like I said, they're ancient aliens, so maybe a little bit of sci-fi elements. Um, but, uh, yeah, I grew up loving superheroes. Uh, uh, I read... There was a time in my life where I tried to read Lord of the Rings about once a year. Mm -hmm. um, I don't do that anymore, but... Um, just because I'm too busy, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, there, there, there's something about those books that just kind of feels like a warm blanket when you, you read them. Sure. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, the idea of living in a simpler time, you know, without without iPhones, but also, you know, the added bonus of, like, you know, mixing in magic and, you know, sword battles and stuff like that. Yeah, I understand that. I, I think, uh, speaking of Lord of the Rings stuff, I think Kelly uh, may have mentioned this in one of the other panels, uh, there's an audiobook form of Lord of the Rings that Andy Circus reads. Yeah, yeah. So we, we 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 re listened to that one time. We actually listened to that when we were going to the Baltimore, the um, the Baltimore uh, Comic Con. And uh, the problem with it is his voice when he's not doing the Gollum voice. His voice is like so soothing; it was like starting to put me to sleep while I was driving. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would recommend those as well, as long as you're not driving. Absolutely. So, Brian, same question here. What genre do you normally uh, dabble in, and what drew you to it? Um, I guess the thing that, that really crosses over in all my works is fantasy. I, I do tend to lean more heavily into the horror aspect of it, especially with Memoirs of Angel. The tagline of it is it's like Lord of the Rings meets The Exorcist. Um, so you get that high fantasy and the, the, you know, the, the demonic kind of horror. Um, but, um, I'm sorry. What was the question again, George? <laughs> oh, basically, uh, what genre do you normally uh, dabble oh, in yeah. and what drew you to it? Right. And so, uh, with memoirs, um, uh, my, my faith, um, actually drew me to it. I, I, I'm a seminary nerd. Um, I, uh, went to Bible college, all that jazz. Um, and the, um, for a while I thought I was going into vocational ministry, did not do that. Um, I'm a comic creator, so you see how that worked out. <laughs> but, um, but I, uh, in, while I was in class, a lot of times, uh, you know, I'm learning theology, just hearing all this, uh, lore and, and, you know, things that, that I personally believe, but also just how it works, all that jazz, trying to wrestle with all that stuff. Um, this story kind of formed you can see in like my class notes, I've kept a lot of them were in the margins and things in the, in the page I've written down little story ideas that, I mean, this was 15 years ago that now it's, yeah. it's coming to fruition in, in, in this way. Um, and so that's what mainly inspired. And of course, you know, like Grant said, I read Lord of the Rings and I'm a middle earth nut. So I love reading Lord of the Rings and the Silmarillion and all that stuff. Uh, all year round. And um, so that's a huge influence. Brandon Sanderson novels, huge influence. Um, and, uh, and then of course, like I said, my, my faith as well. Um, but with the nebulizer of uh, my health, huge, you know, huge, yeah. I, I wrote it during the pandemic or the first issue. And, um, 
And I really, I just wanted something fun for kids that struggled with the things that I struggled with as a kid um, that, that just, you know, it gives them an escape much what this whole fundraiser is about. Right. So, so I just, I, I wanted to create something that asthmatic kids could look to have fun with because it's a comedy first and foremost. It's, it's, it's a fun, silly book that has an outrageous premise um, and, and it's, you know, it's got some darker tones, obviously, there's a post-apocalyptic world, so there's a lot of monsters, everything looks, everything on the microscopic level turned into this, you know, monstrosity. Um, so that's it, but everything else is fun and, you know, fantasy-based, but, um, yeah, the, the Nebulizer is, is all about just giving kids and, and adults a, a hero that they can look up to and relate to who struggles with the same things that they do. Excellent. Uh, so a new question here. Uh, we'll start with you, Jeff, here. Um, basically, any kind of creation you're going to do uh, when it comes to comic books or any sort of form, you're going to deal with collaboration. You're going to have to deal with basically working with the right people, uh, finding those right people. Uh, what has been your process with finding those people? And have you ever had any experience with someone that maybe didn't work out and had to kind of re-tool you know, everything you were working on? Yeah. Um, for me, I have been extremely lucky. First off, let me say that with to find the people that I've found to work with, especially the artist for the crag, um, Janine, Joni Keith, she's been really helpful and just helping me grow as a writer. Um, you know, just, in, just, she's just great. But, um, so I found her just on a Facebook group. This was, you know, a while back, but it seems like they're filled with scammers now and spam accounts and stuff. So it's, um, hard to find, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of the right word. It's hard to find people that you, I guess, mix well with creatively. And once you find that, you kind of know it and just everything for me, at least it's become just easy to collaborate. Once you find that person, person that you mesh with. Um, so yeah, it is very, you know, you've got to work together. Communication is huge. You know, like, um, uh, Grant was talking about, you know, knowing how many panels on a page, like for instance the artist like she um if i put too many panels on a page she can just adjust it and put like like if i put five but there's only room for four you know take liberty to adjust it i trust her and that's fine you know you gotta if somebody else makes a change that's better you you gotta kind of put your ego aside sometimes and do what's best for uh the art and that's something i struggled with i'm 34 like when i was 20 <laughs> that's something i really struggled with when i was a lot younger was just the ego part like you know people there's people that are better than you and know better know what they're doing more than you you're not you're only 20 you haven't been through it yet so yeah i would say communication <laughs> is the most important part for me just you know yeah. getting your ideas across and um you know being shy about maybe if you want something tweaked that's something that i struggle with a little bit just because i don't you know i don't want to be confrontational which but you know that's part of it you know whatever is best for the art is kind of what you guys should all the team be working towards i feel absolutely yeah that's that's kind of a thing too i think a lot of people struggle with you don't want to come off as being too you know negative or too you know critical or anything like that you just want to yep. make things work the best they are and you should be able to trust the team you're working with basically yeah. 
you know, be able to work through that. So, uh, Jeff, uh, I'm sorry, Jeff, <laughs> uh, Timothy, uh, of course, you basically running a studio here. You've definitely got a lot of collaborators you've worked with. Uh, probably some people have come and gone. You've said, of course, with Water Wars had so many, you know, you know, artists come through there. Uh, what's been your experience with collaboration with people? Well, I tell you, Jeff made a really good point, and I just want to sort of touch on what he said, which is, you know, it's just as four or five years ago, you could join various types of Facebook groups and try to find people that would sort of align with what you are making. And the first thing I would tell viewers today, you're going to want to be very cautious of that. And it's because of the reason that Jeff mentioned. It's a thing now where people put up art samples that they didn't make yep. or I mean, to say it's filled with scammers, I feel would be an understatement at this point. Yeah, so, right. uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a thing. So proceed with caution and get references. Um, in my case, you know, what I did was once you meet one or two people that you sort of know and trust, try and stick with references, you know, you know like just for an example, like I know Grant and Marvin a little bit. So if they said, hey, well, I worked with this fella you know, he's trustworthy. I would be more inclined to go that route rather than try somebody new. Cause I've had a few instances where it didn't quite go the way I wanted with someone new. And again, to, to sort of jump onto Jeff's reply is particularly in the case of where if you're the writer and creator, you know, you got a little bit of a story you're trying to put across. And the first thing you want to make sure is that the artist has in fact read the whole script and has got the concept of what you're trying to convey because they might, draw something a little incorrect or they might draw something that hasn't even happened yet like hey wait that doesn't happen till page seven like she doesn't know yet that this happened or that happened yeah. so like it's there's many angles to take into consideration for illustrators and by the way it's a super hard job as an illustrator of a comic script not taking anything away from that it's as particularly in a comic script it might be the main thing it might be more important than the writing in some parts but in my case many of the if not all the stories, they end on sort of a dramatic panel or in many cases, a twist ending. So you can't show it on page two or page three. It's gotta be, it's gotta happen. It's gotta progress along. And just to, to finish the question, in, in my case, my inspirations were similar in the sense, I'm so pleased to see a bunch of Tolkien fans in this room. Congrats <laughs> to you. Um, I do the same thing Grant does. I try to read it once a year. I think it's one of the great works of literature. And of course, mentioning the Silmarillion, wow. My hat's oh, off. Yeah. To you. I, think, I, I, I blame I blame my Bible nerd stuff. That's how I can get through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know, Many people, people say, yeah, you could, uh, and, and not to you know go completely off topic, but you know the beginning of the Silmarillion is in many ways biblical, right? It's yeah, it, very you, similar. Yeah. yeah. So that's but once you get through that, it's some of the greatest dialogue that's ever been written, and highly recommended. But so, I, I, you know, in short, I'm the sci-fi guy. My influences would be Richard Matheson, Isaac Asimov, Harlan Ellison. If you like those, you'll like what I'm doing over here. Yeah. I grew up in a healthy dose of Richard Matheson. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Love, yeah, love that stuff. One of the greatest, man. One of the greatest. And it, it's funny. Like, we, we kind of forget now who he is. Like, you see the Will Smith movie. I am legend, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. everybody knows Will Smith. How many people would say, hey, that's Richard Matheson? Yeah, right. If, if you guys and like... If, if the people listening like Stephen King, I think Stephen King got a lot from Richard Matheson. Oh, sure. Oh, yes. So, Very uh, much so. Yeah, he, he, he would admit that. Yes. Totally agree. Um, 
Well, of course, in this world of social media and the digital world here, uh, it's a very crowded market, especially now in the days for indie creators here. So start with you, Grant. Uh, how do you promote your books and market them and try to break through? <laughs> uh, I, I feel like some a lot of people would say probably not very well. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think with everybody, marketing marketing is like the Brussels sprouts of of the comic book creating right <laughs> like sitting there writing and drawing it is like the steak and maybe the potatoes mm -hmm. and then like and then marketing is like the the brussels sprouts um yeah. really i mean you just I, I mean i i pencil in like an hour every day where i just go around and i i say to myself okay i'm gonna post I'm going to post screenshots of the comic book here, 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 and here. Um, you know, messaging old uh, people who have backed your Kickstarter in the past. Um, sending out newsletters. It's, it, it can really, I can see why, like, for, for, like, new comic book creators, why it would be overwhelming. Because uh, there's so many different outlets to promote your comic book on. I mean, e and even though I hate Twitter... Like two or three times a month, I'll go on Twitter and just say, and just, you know, post the link just in case, you know, there's like, even though people, like, I don't really talk much on Kickstarter, there might be one or two people who follow my, my tweets. I mean, one or two people is, is more than none, right? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very true. And Carl Witzman makes a great point here. He says he told a new writer that you get an editor in order to sell your next work. If your early works have numerous errors, you won't sell stuff in the future. Yep. Very true. You always definitely want to put your best foot forward anytime you're putting your stuff out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been a an ear for a lot of different writers and whatever else. I'm like, here, read this, tell me what you think. And then basically, but I, they're not publishing it. They're just, they're, they're passing it to a friend and let me get, getting an opinion sort of thing so but yeah I, I would definitely agree with that carl uh jeff what about you what, what how do you uh do marketing and promotion for your own work well um that's kind of the <laughs> the hard part it's uh i'm kind of just stumbling through it right now this is the first um really exposure i've ever had outside of just you know basic facebook instagram a little bit of twitter posts with um you know, screenshot of the artwork, you know, a little caption. Um, for me, I don't, uh, if any of you guys think I'm doing it in the reverse order, please tell me. Cause I, cause I'm kind of lost on the marketing thing. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start doing really small, like just little card shows at like moose lodges and try to build up from like ground zero locally. And then maybe, you know, I don't know. It's cause I've, you know, the exposure with just having a, social media account for me has not been easy. You know, I've got a couple followers, which uh, like Grant said, you know, one is amazing, let alone, you know, you're trying to get as many as you can though. But so for me, I'm kind of starting over and just going to do locally on top of the social media stuff, maybe because I've got like a flyer with the QR codes, you know, put that on the table and people buy comics, maybe start building up a little bit, then hopefully uh, word of mouth and, you know, see what happens. I always, try to uh, remind myself that, you know, when I start feeling down about marketing and exposure, that the Ninja Turtles are actually still a thing. And that happened, <laughs> you know, if the Ninja Turtles can catch on and take over the world. You never know what could happen. So just always mm -hmm. 
keep plugging away and you know you never know when your lucky break is going to come so you know network and social media local shows got to do it all it feels like to me at least so that's yeah. what i'm gonna I think, I think that's a good strategy like um i i don't recommend really young comic book creators doing like the the big comic conventions because yeah. what you're gonna find is you're gonna get lost in the mix mm-hmm. like the people who go to the big conventions are there to meet William Shatner or, or Dean Kane or, or whoever they're not there to, they're not there to buy comp. I mean, there are a few, but generally speaking, it's the smaller shows where you're going to find like a guy who's been collecting comic books for 40 years right. and is excited about your comic book. Um, yeah, I've got a guy that really he wants to actually do some art, like a cover, and he's been a longtime collector, and he actually lives like one town over. So <laughs> that's kind of what inspired me to do the lo- start local and do a kind of a grassroots thing and try to go up from there. So, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Timothy, what about you? What, have you had any challenges with uh, marketing or with promotion or just getting the word out about your uh, your works? You know, yes, uh, in short. And first, thanks so much for asking me this question. So I'm going to try to focus in like a laser in the hopes that it might be helpful to some of us in this group. One of the things that I've noticed, and by the way, Grant is 100% right in what he said, and I'm going to approach it like this. Social media has changed a lot in the last four to five years. And what you're going to find, and by the way, I'm guilty of this, so please don't hear that I'm disparaging someone. We all tend to do the same things, right? We I call it spamming the link graveyard. Here's my link. Here's my link. <laughs> buy my stuff. Buy my stuff. And uh, yeah, Crayley knows this. I got a little bit of a marketing background. And, and the truth is we want people to notice our stuff, but we're taking exactly the wrong steps to do it. Here's what I mean by that. When we drop these links into groups, there isn't any engagement for these links. There isn't any reason for the person to follow you. So the first tip that I would give for free is jump out of the comic book creator groups. Man, we all love each other. You guys are great, but we're not customers at the end of the day. So in like in uh, in the fantasy guys for, I'm going to just uh, pick Grant and, you know, for an example, hey, you know, the Lord of the Rings groups or the fantasy groups or the cryptid groups, right? Which are the ones that I'm in. I got a cryptid group too. And just share art samples. That's step one. Step two, tell them a little bit about yourself. Here's who I am. This is what I'm doing. Here's who did the artwork. Maybe a little a little blurb about who the artist was. People like to see who made things, right? In other words, the best way to sell something is not necessarily to tell them to buy it, if you follow what I mean. All of us have a little bit of resistance toward advertising, or at least I do. And, you know, I don't engage with any of those. So why would we think somebody else would? The third type is exactly what we're doing right now is to appear on podcasts and try in some way to be interesting to a group and in, in my case, what I sometimes try to do is try and help somebody else. And even if you don't necessarily do it very well, I'm not claiming I do it very well, but I have a small podcast that I do on Friday nights and people will relate to seeing you try to help someone. And we share tips about marketing and social media and all this kind of thing. And while we're on the subject, you guys are all invited. I'll be seeing Grant pretty soon anyway. But this is the type of thing, in my opinion, that builds an audience. If you build the audience, they'll show up when you launch your Kickstarter. They'll say something like, hey, you know, there's Brian. I liked him when he was on the blah, blah, blah. And they'll, they'll give it a shot. Whereas if you're like most creators, and again, I don't mean this in an insulting way. It's that they do it out of not being sure what to do. That Here's the link. Go buy my book. Go support my book. Here's the link. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And as a matter of fact, the 
the algorithm does not reward that type of behavior. And, and soon you'll be pretty frustrated because you won't get much engagement on those on those posts. Absolutely. And then Carl Witzman also mirrors your point here about being on online programs and fundraisers and stuff like this definitely also helps in marketing. Right. So, uh, Brian, uh, same question here. What has been uh, your challenges? What has been your successes uh, with marketing for your own products? Sure. Well, I felt like a bobblehead while Tim was talking. <laughs> I, uh, I, I agree with pretty much everything you've, you've said. Um, I, would, I would actually add one thing that I don't think has been mentioned um, is pointing people or directing people from social media to your domain that you own. Um, I think that is crucial because um, what that does, it's a part, it's a little pocket of marketing because all the other stuff that Tim and Grant and Jeff have, have addressed are all important. Um, but I also think uh, cultivating that kind of, I hate to use this term because I think it's abused, but community aspect yeah. to your fan base, to, to people that like your stuff. Um, and I think it takes some time. So, you know, you're not going to see, you know, a thousand people show up overnight. But while you're going to shows, while you're promoting online on social media, always point people to um, your your website. I do a, a, a monthly newsletter every month, just once. I don't spam anybody. I just, I kind of, I open it up. I talk about whatever's on my mind. And then I update everybody with, you know, what I've been doing, what I'm into, all that kind of stuff. And that is growing. Uh, it's been growing over, over the course of, you know, eight years. And um, so now I have an instant access to all my people who have shown up and hundreds of people that are subscribed to my newsletter. Um, I can just send out an email if I have a Kickstarter coming up. I don't have to wrestle with the algorithm. I have that instant access to people. Um, and so instead of wrestling with all the things happening on social media, all I have to get you to do is click an email and read. Um, and, and that has been, that's proven for me to be very helpful. I think a lot of that is also, and again, I hate using this phrase, but it's essentially what you're doing is selling yourself, um, uh -huh. is you are not just selling a product. You are really people buy from creators that they know and they like, and not that you should like try to be something you're not. Um, and that's not what I'm getting at, but you know, get out there and engage with people, talk to people, you know, you know, really invest in the people that are going to read your books and that, you know, you like to talk to make friends. You know I mean? This is, this is a great experience. If you, if you can do that kind of stuff and you can really get to know your readers I mean, I know a lot of people that started out as my readers and now they're really good friends of mine. Um, and I love that, you know, and that I think for me is what it's about. I, I would much rather have people that I know and care about in enjoying what I have to offer them than just a bunch of strangers. And even though the strangers are obviously important, um, sure, yeah. I think this aspect is a part of marketing that doesn't get a whole lot of highlights a lot of times. Um, and I think it's beneficial for the reader and the art and the author artist. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it really is a lot about building community here. So absolutely. And kind of speaking about building community here, of course, you know, there's always, you know, when you're trying to do your own work, the financial considerations of how to get it out there. Um, Kickstarter, of course, has been mentioned numerous times here on the panel here. Uh, has there been any other ways that you all have found uh, success in with basically any kind of, you know, self-funding uh, with things here, or have you had any kind of like, 
you know, sponsorships or even grants or anything like that. No, not really. <laughs> um, I, I'll go ahead, Grant. Oh. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I mean, we, I go around to local comic book shops and ask if they want to buy a couple copies. Um, that's, I mean, you can make a little bit of money like that, but, but quite, fr- I mean, obviously the margins are very low because the comic book shop is also trying to make a profit. Um, I, 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 I tried Indiegogo once and it was uh, a complete disaster. Um, what do you mean by a complete disaster? I'm interested in this. I mean, I made 40, like, I mean, I think I maybe got $40 worth of backers. On, oh boy. Okay. On it was, it was uh, bad. Um, I, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get into the difference between Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Cause I know people have really strong feelings about that. Um, I, I have been selling a few comic books through diamond. Um, again, the margins are so small on that. Like the amount of money that it costs to print a comic book and the amount of money that diamond is willing to give you, like it, there's such a small room for, for profit. Like it's it, honestly, like my advice would be for people stick to Kickstarter. Diamond is poo poo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why everybody's leaving. <laughs> yeah, I, I work. I work in a comic book store, and yeah, it's. It, I'm, I'm seeing it well, firsthand. Everybody's leaving. Diamond. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I did want to just add one thing about this. Um, I, I have. I live in Louisville, Kentucky. We have like seven uh, comic shops um, mm-hmm. in the city, and I, throughout the years, have just kind of gotten to know. Um, as many of them as I can. Some of them aren't as open to indie books as others. Um, but the ones who are, I mean, I've really tried to, you know, be a good customer to them, um, build a relationship. And um, and that's provided me with opportunities to have book signings and shows on free comic book day. Things like that is huge. Yeah. I mean, the last, so last year we couldn't do it because of my health, but the year before that, uh, I mean, we, we made a ton of money uh, on free comic book day because the gracious people at comic book world here in Louisville, um, they, they just let us set up shop in the middle of the line and free comic book day. And we got, we got to keep all of the, the profit. Um, I mean, they, they didn't, you know, they didn't chart, they didn't cut, get get a cut. They didn't want to cut. We, I think we gave them one just because they were being so kind, but it was just, you know, that kind of stuff, if you can build a rapport and a relationship with some of these store owners and, and be a good customer, um, you know, and be a good business partner, man, they'll, they'll be willing to, to help you out. And we have found in our experience that that's been crucial, yep, especially in, in getting to know people like Jeff, you were talking about kind of starting from the bottom regionally mm-hmm. and then going up. That is a, that's probably your best way to do it because you're in the comic book store. You know, yeah. you've got people who go all the time. You know, you, if you show up, that's the biggest thing. I think you go to shows, you go to bookstores, anything. Mm-hmm. If you keep showing up, eventually people will notice you. Um, and and sometimes that's the key. Sometimes you're just the guy that's stuck around for 10 years. And now people are finally going, oh, yeah, this guy. Let's see what he has. And I think that's a big part of it, too. 
Yeah, I really want to. I like the idea of sponsorships too. I like, um, for example, a local, just a really small local wrestling promotion was looking for sponsors, and I, I couldn't make it work financially at the time. But just something like that is something I'd really like to get into. Finding or sponsoring something like that, where you know, not every wrestling fan likes comic books, but they are they are tied pretty close together, though. That's a amount of finding like similar but not the same type of right. uh events or you know stores to sponsor uh you know just put your logo and socials and website and stuff on there just that's kind of i haven't been able to do it yet but that's one of my goals is just to like sponsor something locally like that yeah that's i mean it, that's that's a great built-in audience and yeah the, the venn diagram of wrestling fans and comic <laughs> fans is pretty close speaking yeah. as one who's both <laughs> Uh, we got a lot more comments here. We got to get up here. Uh, first off, uh, Willow Schuyler of Schuyler Productions uh, so, says, of course, she loves uh, promoting and supporting indie creators. And most of her comic collection is from indie creators. So, yeah, there's definitely you know, a, a great built in audience for people who really they're kind of, you know, out of the. The, the big corporation superhero stuff, and they're much more interested in the smaller indie creators, people who kind of push the boundaries a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I definitely hats off to all you gentlemen here. Um, and one thing, of course, since we are doing a fundraiser, we're going to acknowledge one more time that we are here for the Multiverse Fundraiser in support of Comic Books for Kids. And Crayley Van S uh, is giving us some very good news here, saying we are at 61% of our fundraising goal for this year. Uh, so awesome. There you go. And of course, if you guys, uh, if you haven't uh, been able to donate or if you're curious about donating, please scroll right down here at the bottom of your screen, facebook.com multiverse fundraiser, uh, or you can go to comic books for kids, cb4k.org uh, to basically donate there. So, all right. Uh, so we're getting close to the end of our panel here. So we got to talk briefly here about favorite artists if you guys have someone that specifically is an inspiration to you or someone uh you know basically that, that's that's this is who you're doing it for you saw that person's work whether it be written or write or art and that's where you want to go grant let's start with you uh my all-time favorite artist not only my favorite comic book artist but my all-time favorite artist of all time is bilson kevitz um i don't i don't think any <laughs> I don't think there's ever been anybody who just like you look at his style and you you how do I word this you can't figure out where the influence is because it's just like so unique so out of left field so like I just never seen anything like it before absolutely Jeff uh, your inspiration sir well uh, my number one would definitely like if I could meet one person as far as creativity goes throughout time, it would have to be Jack Kirby. I know that's probably a common one, but I mean, you can't, you know, his thing about him is like his art. It's not a net anatomically correct. It's a little, you know, his scripting was a little rough, but it's just the sheer force of the ideas and the, you know, just any, like he would build these worlds where anything was possible. And it was just, it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> He's just, just the ideas that he would create are just, you know, it makes me want to just, that's kind of, I'm not trying to rip him off, but that's kind of how 
I want to be is that I want to create these worlds where anything can happen, you know, magic, technology, sticks and stones, you know, kind of like Thundercats or He-Man back in the day, how like yeah. somebody would have a laser gun and somebody would have a sword, you know, I yeah. just, that's, that's what appeals to me. I don't know. It's just, I like worlds where you can find anything, if that makes sense. So Jack Kirby is definitely my number one. Absolutely. Timothy, your inspiration. Uh, are we talking artists only or is writers? Uh, either one. Yeah. Uh, artists, man, I'm inspired by so many artists. It'd be hard to even pin one down, but writers I'm inspired by J.R.R. Tolkien, Grant Morrison, Alton, Alan Moore, and uh, I'll pick Pearl Buck and Raymond Carver. Wow, that's that's a great list there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you uh, a fan of any of those? I, I'm a fan of most of those. I'm very, I'm pretty much familiar with everybody you've uh, mentioned there. Even, even busting out Pearl Buck there, very nice. If you are inclined to believe it, that is my number one influence of all time. Really, that's yep. very interesting. I love yep. that. And Brian, I know it kind of, kind of doesn't oh. make sense. Kind of doesn't make sense for a comic creator, but hey, I, you know, I want to keep it interesting, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I've always been a fantasy, you know, writer and you know stuff. You know, when I've worked on things, but one of my biggest influences is Hunter S. Thompson. So, oh wow, good one, good one. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> and Brian, lastly, your inspiration, sir. Um, from an artist standpoint, uh, that I, I I just recently posted about having my top five, um, but the, the top two are Mike Mignola mm. um, and uh, Bruce Tim who did the Batman, the animated series in the nineties, that both of those uh, Bruce Tim's direction and artwork and design really influenced my art style from a very young age. And then Mike Mignola, as I became an adult, just kind of blended with that. Um, so those two mesh together is kind of my art style. And then you get me also somewhere in there. Um, but uh, so yeah, those two are brilliant, uh, huge influences for me. As writers are concerned, I would probably say Tolkien um, and and C.S. Lewis are ah, top, nice. and then yeah, and then um, and then I would say Brandon Sanderson and H.P. Lovecraft, um, also huge Very influences nice. as well. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft nice. writing, not him as a person. <laughs> just want to <laughs> just just want to clarify that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> two two separate, very things. different things. Yes, it, I yeah, forgot yeah. Lewis too. You can't. He's like, I guess the common thing for me is people that just kind of do their own thing or my George Lucas, uh, Jack Kirby, Akira Toriyama with Dragon Ball and stuff like that. Just do your own thing. You know, it might be wacky, but hey, it's unique. So sorry, I interrupted you, Grant. Sorry about that. No, I was going to say, I think for me, Mike Mignola has come the closest of all the, the recent uh, comic book creators to like making his own world where it feels like, you know, the whole, not just Hellboy, but also like BPRD and then mm -hmm. all the different spinoffs that are associated with that. To to me, he, he has come the closest to having like a, the, a, the modern day Marvel or DC where you have yeah. like a whole, it's not just one guy, it's not one property with, like a couple of smaller ones, it feels like a whole world of, of, of yeah. different titles yeah. and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And one more thing before we go here, uh, we can't, I mean, we'd be remiss to not bring up our partner shops uh, that have, uh, all helped out in their own ways of promoting or sponsoring the multiverse fundraiser. So we have to acknowledge, of course, Clobbering Comics, where I'm a proud employee of, uh, Dragonfly Comics and Collectibles. 
uh, the Collector's Edge Comics, and of course, Excalibur Comics, Cards and Games, uh, and Vortex Comics as well. So thank you all very much for helping out with us here, sponsoring and partnering with us. And thank you very much, gentlemen, uh, for joining us here today here. Uh, Grant Lankard, Jeff Beinecke, Brian Rodman, Timothy Fling here. Thank you all so much for being on the panel here, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And of course, uh, the links are here in the comments, folks. Uh, So if you guys need to check out these gentlemen and their work, uh, you got to support those indie creators out there. That's the most important thing y'all can do here. So thank you guys very much for the uh, tuning in here for this portion of the Multiverse Fundraiser. Stay tuned next because we're going to be dealing with some voice actors. Uh, So that's very exciting. A lot more panels coming up here. So you all have yourselves a beautiful afternoon and we'll see you next time. Take care.